an opportunity has been presented. And that's the theme of today. You know, I was going to come on and maybe do a woo, and man, I want to. Yes, I, I, I want to do a woo. The Cincinnati Bengals just had their first signature win. The first win that I didn't expect, we didn't expect, since what, 2018? Since that 4-1 and one start with Marvin Lewis? It's been a while. It's been a long time. Since on a Monday and throughout a Sunday, I was in that good of a mood. Felt that good about the Cincinnati Bengals. It has been a long trial of fire, failure, embarrassment, losses in every possible way, a cramping kicker in both calves. It's been, an, it's been tough. It's been a tough, tough ride. But yesterday felt like the opportunity, the breakthrough, the moment. And there's so many thoughts that have passed through my head, and we have a great opportunity to talk to Russ Heltman from SI later today and all Bengals, and that'll be coming up later in the show. But where I wanted to start the show, we're going to have a lot of stats to dive into, and there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about with this Cincinnati Bengals team with the 31-20 win. But I want to fill everybody in that's a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I want to fill you in on what's happening. Because there are quite a few people now, but not everybody. There are quite a few people. Most of them are from Southeast Ohio and Athens and Nelsonville, York and Gloucester. They're from Logan. They're from Gallia Academy. They're from the 740. Also, a lot of people in Louisiana, although less so, know this fact too. And we're all about to find out exactly what Joe Burrow brings to an organization. And what, what do I mean by this? So I have been following Joe Burrow, and I don't want to fill you in for me as well. I worked in radio in Southeast Ohio. I called games at the now-named Joe Burrow Stadium. You know, I, I've been told stories about this kid since he was a backup at Ohio State. I did a radio segment about Joe Burrow breaking his thumb as a backup at Ohio State. We've been following this kid close, and I've heard this thing time and time and time and time again about Joe Burrow. And it's this aura of success. This aura of work. I almost want to call it infection. I want to call it a... a it's so indescribable what it is. It's it, right? And we talk about this in sports all the time. It's it, it's it. And what do I mean by that? I want to flash you back. The year 2011. Joe Burrow is a sophomore quarterback. Wasn't even supposed to start, although he would have won the job. And we've talked to Coach Nathan Wine on the show about that before. Sophomore year quarterback. The Athens Bulldogs are a program that never won a playoff game. And in fact, we're coming off their very first playoff appearance since 1990. They weren't an exquisite program. They were a program that rarely produced Division I level players. They were a program that felt stuck in the mud, felt like it couldn't move. And in comes Joe Burrow. And you know what happened their first game? They lost the Galley Academy. But when I talked to people that were at that game, they all knew that despite the loss, that there was something about this kid. There was something about it. And as fans, we sometimes get a feeling watching football. This thing inside, like, man, that kid has something. I can't really put my finger on it. It doesn't just happen from a fan's perspective. That happens on the sideline. That happens on the opposing bench as well. Wow, that kid's got something. I don't know what it is, but he can play. And you know what that does week in, week out for a program? Well, ask Athens. Because they lost to Galley Academy in Joe Burrow's first ever high school football game, and they never lost in the regular season again. 29-0. They won seven playoff games in three years, including the school's first appearance in the state championship game and the school's first seven playoff wins. 
That's all Joe Burrow. That school produced then six Division I level players out of Joe Burrow's group. Six. Six. Now, all those guys are really, really talented. But all those guys were brought to their athletic ceiling because of that aura of success. Same thing happened at LSU. Man, we've got the dude here. LSU for years. And now, Beauregard program can't get their act together. Can't figure it out. No winning culture at the highest levels. Just 9-3, and 10-2, and 11-1, and 9-3, 10-2, 11-1, but seemingly more talent than everybody. And then in comes Joe Burrow. And that talent goes from pretty good, top 10, top 15, to the greatest college football team that has ever played. And their work ethic and their success and that aura of success that feeds into everybody and everything, it's even producing for those guys now at the NFL level. Patrick Queen, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. These guys are outperforming what everybody thought of them because they've been infected with that thing, that Joe Burrow thing. And Cincinnati Bengals fans, we're about to go through it. You are about to see what it's like to have the guy, the dude, it. It's never happened before in Bengals history. Love Kenny Anderson, love Boomer Esiason, but they aren't this. This is an undescribable, a magnificent winning aura. It is it. It's going to infect everybody on the team. It's infected ownership. Mike Brown spent $130 million in free agency, people. I told you that sentence three years ago. You'd have pooped right down your leg. $130 million in free agency for Mike Brown. $130 million in free agency spent by Mike Brown. You know why? Joe Burrow. We just made an in-season trade, and I wouldn't be shocked if we made two of them. You know why? Joe Burrow. Offensive line, five new starters. Find a way to be competent. They get to work earlier. They work a little harder. They run their routes faster. They block nastier. Why? Joe Burrow. Now, this infection, this winning infection, it took about a year to take a hold at LSU, even though there were some moments of it early. But Joe had to figure himself out. It took about two games in high school, as it should. It's high school football. doesn't take as long. And it's going to happen in about a year here. It's going to start infecting the defense. It's going to infect the front office. It'll infect every draft pick that walks through the door. Because it's so different playing sports if you're on a team with the guy, with the dude with a guy who, who everybody wants to follow. Everybody wants to follow. And just wait until Joe Burrow gets an entire offseason with the Cincinnati Bengals program. With no draft process, with none of that BS, no questions about whether he wants a trade and doesn't want to be in Cincinnati. Just ball. Money's in your pocket. House is set up. Apartment's good. Family's chilling. It's just going to be ball in the 2021 offseason. Ball and his receivers. New crop of draft picks, new crop of free agents. This team, I'm serious, guys, with Joe Burrow at the helm and with Joe Burrow with a full offseason, your goal as an organization should be to go out and be the number one contender to the Kansas City Chiefs in 2021. Will that happen? I don't know. But you have now been presented an opportunity, a gift from the heavens, a gift from the football gods, one that Bengals fans have well earned over the past 50 years. We have the guy. We have the dude. We have somebody that will be written in the history books. And it's just about can everybody else come along for the ride. The thing about Joe Burrow, he makes it way easier to come along for the ride. In high school, he used to get 15 to 16, 15 to 17-year-olds to spend every day, every summer, practicing football for hours. Now, you can t- that this is at Athens. This isn't at some elite high school, St. X or something, Cincinnati Elder. This is at Athens. They had no culture of that. And Joe Burrow, at 15, brought them there single-handedly, dragged everybody along. 
Now, people had to perform. People had to work. The Lermans who played Division I football had to work. Trey Williams, who played at Northwestern, he had to work. But Joe Burrow gave them that path, the vision, that infection, that thing to say, you know what? I am going to work. I am going to make sure I get everything out of myself because that guy is. Because that guy is. And it's happening now in Cincinnati. It's happening now. Nobody's going to get their head down. Nobody's going to pout or be unable or out of control because every time Joe walks into the huddle or walks into the building, he is so in control and confident and prepared and ready to work that it will continue to infect the team. It will continue to infect the culture. It will come to the fan base and then the city. That's what happens when you get the dude. So buckle up, Cincinnati Bengals fans, because we might not beat Pittsburgh a week after the bye. We might end up having a top 10 pick this year. But all this Tennessee win confirms is that Joe Burrow, in fact, can change a culture. He, in fact, can do that at the NFL level. And all evidence in the past suggested that that was true. Athens, no winning, no playoff wins, seven playoff wins, and the greatest collection of talent they've ever had head to college football. Okay, random. Random luck there for Joe, right? You know, it just happened to be the greatest class ever, and he was a quarterback, right? You know, it's just random, lucky. Nah, whatever. LSU goes from 9-3 and three to the greatest college football team ever. Led the NCAA in drops one year, and now they've got an elite wide receiver that came out of that class. Oh, random again, huh? That's pretty random. That's weird that that happened twice. That's weird that that happened, right? Is that random? It's not. And anybody that looks at the situation or knows this kid at all and has been watching him for the past four, five, six years, or for the past 15 years, as some people in Athens have been watching him, been watching him since he was an eighth grader, they'll tell you that it's not an accident. None of this is an accident. This is the culmination of somebody with immense talent putting in more work every day than everybody else. And Joe will never forget the value of that because he did have to transfer. Because Urban Meyer told him he wasn't better than Dwayne Haskins. Because they didn't invite him to the Elite 11. Because Nebraska, the the school in which his father and his brothers played, the school in which he learned to ride a bike on, Nebraska, their head coach looked him in the eye and said, we got three quarterbacks better than Joe Burrow here. So he'll never forget the value of work. He's never been handed anything. Nobody in the place he's from has ever been handed anything. He knows it's hard. He knows you have to go out and earn it. And he's the perfect fit for this franchise. He will change the culture. In fact, I believe he already has. Because past Bengals teams, after these two losses, playing a good Tennessee team with the bye week on the horizon, they would have fell flat and just wanted the week off. Not here. Not Joe Burrow. And now the Bengals are presented with an opportunity. And this is my last thought before we take a break and talk to Russ Heltman. The Cincinnati Bengals have been presented with an amazing opportunity after the bye. This culture, this change, I think it's going to happen in 2021. The full change, the full scene, the playoff, competitive win playoff games. I think the Steelers are going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals after the bye. I'm not going to convince myself otherwise. I think the Steelers are an excellent football team. But this win heading to a bye, fully healthy coming out, gives you an opportunity. Because if Joe Burrow goes into Pittsburgh and upsets the Pittsburgh Steelers, this team will make the playoffs in 2020. This team will have an opportunity to win a playoff game in 2020. Because the schedule, the schedule becomes wide open after that. And when it gets tough again, they'll probably have four or five wins in a row if they beat Pittsburgh. There is an opportunity now in front of the Cincinnati Bengals for 2020. And that's exciting. And that's what the dude brings. Because despite a roster that is completely devoid of talent, a coaching staff that even today, even though they're not going to get fired and they're going to be around for a couple years, I still doubt in a lot of ways. Despite all that, it doesn't matter. Because you've got a guy that has changed the culture. You've got a guy that has changed the way they go about things. You've got a guy that has changed the Cincinnati Bengals. We won't look at the uniform 
the same way after 15 years of Joe Burrow. And that is bringing almost tears to my eyes to even talk about. That's the aura of success. That's the blessing of it, of the dude, of one guy who walks in a room and everybody wants to follow him, a leader, a leader of men, a leader of people. And Joe Burrow is that and and more. And in fact, there's not a player in NFL history I'd rather quarterback this team. And maybe it's because, I, you know, I've been talking about the kid for five years, and it's an incredible story. It's one of the most American stories I've ever heard. But there is not a guy that's played in NFL history that I'd rather have than this guy. And maybe it's because of the story, and maybe it's because of all these things. But I just absolutely love the way he goes about everything he does. I believe he is... He is a model athlete in every sense of the word. And it's amazing that this franchise lucked into this. It's amazing. It's an opportunity, just like the Steelers are an opportunity. We have an awesome opportunity to talk to Russ Hellman on the other side of the break. This is going to be a long show. Why? Victory Monday, baby. Victory Monday. This is the 3M Cody. Catch you on the other side of the break. Big welcome back into the 3AM Cody. Quick little break there. I don't think we even played a break, but that doesn't matter. We just talked about the aura of Joe Burrow, the opportunity that the Cincinnati Bengals have been presented for the next 15 years, and also the opportunity they're now presented for 2020 after the bye week. We've been blessed with an amazing opportunity to talk with all Bengals. Russ Heltman, who finally got to write a positive three-down look yesterday. I mean, really, just if I haven't, we haven't felt this feeling as Cincinnati Bengals followers and fans, Russ, since what, 2017, 2018? It's been a long time. The four and one, the faux four and one start, Lucas. That was the last time we got to experience something like this. Thank you for welcoming me on to the 3 a.m. County. Of course, talking about the three down look, wrote yesterday on the Bengals putting together a final, final performance. It, it, it actually happened, Lucas, where they had all three phases of the game come together and play a complete game. 31-20 victory over the Tennessee Titans. And like you just mentioned, Joe Burrow has slowly but surely infected this team with his attitude, his mindset. And I know it's been rough. It's been up and down, a bumpy first eight weeks, uh, some outside, off-the-field stuff that Bengals fans aren't usually accustomed to seeing with players asking out and becoming frustrated with their roles. But change is hard, and change is happening in the Cincinnati Bengals locker room and their culture, and it's clear that they are still following and and forcefully behind Zach Taylor in the program that he is building alongside Joe Burrow, who, after yesterday's performance, just just stringing together some of the best football not only we've ever seen from a rookie, but that we've we've seen in in a Bengals uniform in quite a long time. I think ever. I mean, uh, seriously, like Kenny Kenny Anderson and Boomer Esiason's MVP years, I think you obviously are going to put ahead. But what he's doing with the team he has is incredible. It's context, it, yeah. It's incredible. There were, I mean, what? It was five offensive linemen. I mean, it's just unbelievable stuff. Like, you have to have a real big jug of leadership <laughs> and it factor to even score 20 points yesterday. And the Bengals dropped 31 in 30-mile-per-hour wins. It was incredible to watch against the Tennessee Titans. Incredible. I I am been uh, it's it's almost speechless. But like we should I just am excited that it appears that he's changed the culture. I was worried that Joe was just going to be great and the Bengals were always going to be the Bengals. But yesterday was the first little sign and it's not definitive and it's not going to change overnight and I'm not saying they're a contender now, but it's that sign that Okay, it doesn't matter if a guy's asking for a trade. One of the best players is only getting 19 snaps. AJ has appeared to ask for a trade. John Ross is asking for a trade. It's absolute turmoil. They could bail on the coach. They could complain even more to the media about the coach. They, in fact, complained to some media members about the coaching staff. All that could go wrong. You're missing so many players, and it doesn't matter because Joe Burrow's on the team, and everybody's like, we can go win this game with Joe. And as long as a team thinks we can go win this game, it helps every day. It helps on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it especially helps on Sunday. And I think that's what we saw this week. We saw that the team's like, well, we might not have a great coach, and we have all these injuries, and we might not have a great owner, and the front office might be great, but goddamn, we got Joe Burrow. And that's all that matters. We got Joe Burrow. 
It happened in Athens. It happened at LSU. And I, I think it's happening again. And 2021, I mean, I think the Cincinnati Bengals' number one goal next year, Russ, should be the, be the number one contender to the Kansas City Chiefs. That should be their goal next season, right? It seems wide open right now. You got the Steelers, who are atop the AFC 7-0 and after the, the vaunted rivalry renewed in the AFC North between them and the Baltimore Ravens. They get the job done in a tight one. Uh, out there in um, in Baltimore, but to me, it just feels like if you have Joe Burrow, there is there is a definite equalizer factor that you bring to the table every single Sunday. And as long as they can figure out a way to get some competence along the offensive line, it doesn't have to be top ten for Joe Burrow to be at an MVP level. It just has to be mediocre. We know what he can do inside the pocket, being able to maneuver in and out of pressure. And then on the back side, on the on the defensive side, they just need some other piece opposite Carl Lawson to be able to get some pressure. They have the back end sealed up. Jesse Bates and Von Bell have turned into one of the best safety duos in the NFL so far. Jesse Bates clearly been a little bit more consistent than Bell. He's been the best safety in general this season, according to Pro Football Focus. And then you factor in Trey Wayne's going to be coming back from injury, hopefully sometime in the final few weeks of the season, final six weeks, something like that. And you have a real recipe for success in a conference that has a very, very limited, in my opinion, aging quarterback coming off of a major throwing arm injury and on the back end, maybe on hole 16, 17 of his career. So Patrick Mahomes is there, but it appears Lamar Jackson right now is not developing accordingly. Josh Allen hit a definite wall after September and Joe Burrow is ascending. Yeah, and... Tua didn't look too great. I mean, and Justin, like, l- listen, I love, I think Justin Herbert's playing really, really well. I think he's going to play really, really well a lot of years. But is he a winning player? I think he is eventually with the right team, but he doesn't have that, like, cultural thing about him, that leadership. And that was part of the scouting report with Justin Herbert. I think the Chargers are going to be fine. I think Herbert's going to be great. And there's going to be a lot of Herbert Burrow debates over the next 15 years. And maybe but two, Herbert's never going to be able to win that division, in my opinion. Very rarely is he going to be able to win I that know. That's, that's where the Bengals get a little benefit, is they will, to, for the Bengals to win Super Bowls over the next 10 years, they're only going to have to beat Patrick Mahomes once, and they might even get lucky and not face him. For the Chargers to win Super Bowls over the next 10 years, they're going to need to win that division a few times. And I just think it's... it's I think the path that I envisioned for you near the draft, Russ of Joe Burrow is going to light this league on fire, but unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes will be playing in the same conference at the same time. And that's, we're going to we're gonna say in 15 years, man, Bengals probably would have had three more Super Bowls had Patrick Mahomes not been in the league. Um, and I think yeah. that that's a realistic path. And, and really, honestly, all of this is kind of conjecture because it, it depends on what they do. And this year, this is the most upcoming. This upcoming draft is the most important draft class in the history of the Bengals franchise. Oh yeah, along with the free agency period. If they hit on both of those things, then they will be able to eclipse the Chiefs in the coming years on sheer talent alone as a fifty-three man roster because they are coming down the back end of this window with Patrick Mahomes and the rookie contract and their ability to fit all these massively talented all-star type of players under the salary cap versus the Bengals are ascending to that peak, and they will hopefully, if everything goes right for Bengals fans and for this front office, have hit that peak by the end of next season, and they're talking about winning a playoff game in 2021 and having a clear goal of championships being brought to the city in the 2022 season and the 2023 Super Bowl. Yeah, I I mean, even like... I think that as, I don't think as fans, but as an organization, they should be saying Super Bowl 2021. That's our goal, right? Now, yeah. that, that's our yeah, goal. Yeah, you obviously. put the you obviously put the goal there, but you can, I don't think you can expect but, that. And no, honestly, I don't think you can expect again, that. Once again, who knows? Because if, what, what, if they get some big-name free agent that they would have never gotten because of the effect of Joe Burrow being able to pass him the ball or the effect of Joe Burrow being on the other side of the ball and him being able to support him as a pass rusher on the backside, who knows? This is a whole new experience that Bengals fans in this franchise have had. They've never had a player like Joe Burrow who's come onto the scene and changed things like this. Carson Palmer was was almost to that level, mm. but I wouldn't say Carson was a type of player who could overcome terrible surroundings week after week like Joe Burrow has shown at such a young age. Well, I think it's their background. 
Carson never had to deal with anything like the Bengals until he got to the Bengals. I mean, he played for the greatest, arguably, college football dynasty ever at USC. And he played at their height. And he was never doubted. And he was the consensus number one recruit and the consensus number one pick. And brilliant arm. It's been easy his whole life. It never was challenging until he got to Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, this is what I mean by this kid was designed for the Cincinnati Bengals. Just, I mean, he's designed for it. He was designed to take the beating, to take the punishment, to be doubted, to lose, to fail, and to still come back and grind. And come back and just grind every week and get better and be talented. And and what excites me the most about Joe Burrow compared to a Justin Herbert or compared to a lot of guys, it's this, so every year, there was always a big-arm quarterback or a really mobile quarterback that everybody would be like, you know, I'd take him over Tom Brady. He looks more impressive than Tom Brady. That would always happen every year, whether it was Michael Vick. You know, you can go through the mid-2000s. Carson Palmer for a while there even was that guy where they have the bigger arm. They make more cool throws. They look better a lot of times. And you're like, oh, I'd take him over Tom Brady or Peyton Manning because they look better. But what the reason why it's very exciting what Joe Burrow is doing is because it is immensely repeatable. There is nothing here like Lamar. What Lamar was doing, we were all like, yeah, but can he do that for 10 years? And we're finding out that maybe he can't. But what Joe Burrow is doing right now, is there like a defense for it? Is there an answer for it? Is there something you're supposed to do defensively to change the look? I'm not sure there is. This just feels... So it's the blitzing scheme that they were able to show in Baltimore, but... That's not something you're going to see. Also, you're rarely going to see a sophisticated, well-patterned scheme like that from an NFL defense throughout a full 16-game slate. It's just very difficult to play like that as an 11-man unit, as great as that defense did play a few weeks back. But also, you know that a blitz scheme to confuse a guy like Joe, it's just he needs to see it a bunch, and he'll figure it out. Like, yeah, you might get him for a half, and you might get him, you know, the, the greatest of all time, get get got for a half by a defense mm-hmm. or get got for a game in the regular season. But what we saw against the Browns, and we're going to see this against Baltimore, if Joe Burrow plays you a second time, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. He sees it too well. And, you know, the, main, the best quote I heard from the other day, he says, it's really slowing down for me. That is terrifying. It's slowing down for him. It's becoming normal speed. And we saw what he did when it became normal speed at all his other stops. He did things that nobody's ever done before. And, you know, I I said before the draft process, well, I don't think he'll ever break any NFL records or anything. I don't know, man. It's on the table. Like, this kid has now, the way he's come in and performed and been an adult and been a mature, I'm open to every possible situation. I'm open to him throwing 60 touchdowns in a season. Not saying it's going to happen, but if you, you know, if you woke me up, if you brought me to the future 20 years from now at Joe Burrow's Hall of Fame induction or 25 years from now at his Hall of Fame induction and you showed me his stats and they were the most incredible thing I've ever seen, I would say, yeah, all right, that makes sense. Like, I'm not going to doubt anything at this point. I'm not going to doubt six MVPs. I'm not going to doubt multiple Super Bowls. That is the type of feeling he gives me. And I know he gives the locker room the same feeling. Now let's move ahead to the opportunity that's presented for the 2020 Bengals because you're right, the future is just conjecture and it's fun to talk about, but that's not the reality. The reality is now you're a 2-5-1 and one team who, out of the last 12 quarters against three playoff teams, so three playoff teams, Russ, 12 quarters, they have been the better football team in 10 of those 12 quarters, by far. The better football team in 10 of the 12 quarters against three playoff teams. So if you look at it that way, it looks much better than blowing two leads there. Well, I guess they weren't better for three quarters against the Colts. So what, 8 of 12? Fine, whatever. They've been the better team a lot of times against these playoff teams. And now you've got a bye week, a chance to get healthy, and you're going to play the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers after they bounce the Cowboys. And this is why you draft Joe Burrow, is to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think it's going to happen, but boy, Russ, this is a huge opportunity for Cincinnati after the bye week. And it really will make Sunday kind of way back in the rearview mirror if they go to Pittsburgh and just get their doors blown off. Uh, just, just get the absolutely shredded. Defense does a similar performance, does a similar thing to what the Ravens did to this offensive line 
uh, back about a month ago. And then all of a sudden you're right back to square one and you don't know it necessarily whether or not this team can actually perform against strong, consistent defensive performances. So to me, this game is going to come down to, as we look ahead a little bit two weeks from now, to whether or not Joe Burrow and Ben Roethlisberger can out, can, which one's going to outduel the other in a quick passing format. Because the Bengals' offensive line, yes, will be better, but they're going up against the best edge rusher in the NFL and T.J. Watt, the highest pressure rate team in the NFL in terms of bringing pressure and bringing blitzes along with it in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So this is a completely different animal from what they were just going up against in the Tennessee Titans, who, yes, have some big names, quote-unquote, in Vic Beasley and Jadavian Clowney, but those guys are scrubs. They're has-beens. They haven't done anything this year. They have not been productive. Meanwhile, the Steelers have big names that go along with big production, and it's going to be very, very awesome and fun to watch whether or not the old guard in Ben Roethlisberger, who has formatted his game to more of a quick passing type of style with the inflection of Matt Canada's system coming from college, bringing more jet motion, bringing more um, quick passing game into the attack and and using yards after the catch as a weapon with their uh, athletic wide receivers versus Joe Burrow, who has turned into arguably the best quick passing artist in the NFL and the conductor and the carrier of an entire offense on his shoulders leading the NFL in passing attempts and on pace to set the rookie completion record uh, in his first year with the Bengals. Yeah, and, and you know, those are the realities of the game. And I, I just don't think they'll win because it's the Steelers and it's his first time seeing them and it's in Pittsburgh and they're undefeated. And, you know, there's a lot of holes on this roster. It, it would be absolutely incredible if they beat the Steelers. So because it's a bye week, and this is always a great thing about winning before a bye week, you just get to go off in la-la land as a football fan. You can play out the – because you're off this week, right? There's no reality check coming on Sunday. Like, the bye week this week, where it's not game week, it's the whole bye week, I, it, it, whenever the Bengals win going into it, I go absolutely crazy. So let's go crazy for a moment, if you will, Russ. Let's put down the logic hats, and let's go best-case dreamland scenario. Let's pretend – Because this is the reality that's on the table. You make those trades, you bring in two new players, you have an upset win, you go into the bye, you come out healthy. It appears Joe Burrow has figured it out. And that Ravens game and the Dunlap trade, you can then look back on as pivotal moments in the season. The Ravens game is where the offense got better. The Dunlap trade is where the defense got a clearer head and figured themselves out. I know they gave up 7.5 yards of carry yesterday, but let's pretend with me. If they go into Pittsburgh and win, this is a playoff team in 2020 because the next four games will be wins if they can beat that Pittsburgh team. If they go into Pittsburgh and win this game and, and give the Steelers their first loss of the season, they'll be 3-5-1, and one, and then that line that Zach Taylor was using, hey, we're a few plays away from being 6-1, and one, and that Joe was saying that too, that line that got laughed at, now if they beat the Steelers, that's a line fans are going to be repeating. And national media members are going to be repeating. And people that know the league are going to be repeating. They're going to start talking about the Bengals' point differential. They're going to start talking about the improvement throughout the year. How if you cut off at week after the Ravens game and then look at the Bengals as that picture, they're a much better football team than the first picture of the season. I, I, I don't know if I'm crazy here, Russ, but if they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, not only will it probably be the greatest moment as a Cincinnati Bengals fan since they were 8-0. But I think they're going to the damn playoffs if they win that game. And that feels like it's that's, that's kind of on the line if they're able to pull a massive upset because it really opens up for you after that. And there's seven playoff teams this year. And my pipe dream scenario of them making the playoffs before the season all of a sudden becomes really, really possible. 8-7-1 becomes a possibility then if they do get, get the win over the Steelers in Heinz Field and, and their two-and-a-half game is back right now. So I think 8-7-1 and one is on the radar for that seventh seed, definitely. So pipe dream scenario, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think Football Outsiders has them still with like a 4 or 5% chance of making the playoffs. So it's not completely dead. And to that point, when you think about this team right now, until in the year 2020 in the NFL, it's all about offense. And right now, this team, since week six, has the third best EPA on offense as a team. Actually, no, second best EPA on offense 
as a team. Top four are the Chiefs, Titans, and Buccaneers, followed mm-hmm. by the Colts, Cardinals, 49ers, and Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Lucas, those are all teams that are trending way up right now, and they're teams that are coming together as offensive units. And I could argue that Joe Burrow is the best quarterback except for maybe two of the six to seven teams I just mentioned that are really starting to find their way in the middle of the season at the right time where you want to see a football team start the peak as we head into the colder months and head into the all-important uh, November Thanksgiving stretch. So it's it's on the table. You go into the bye week. This is, like I keep saying it, but this is arguably the most important bye week in a decade for the Bengals. Like, they have never been in this position with this kind of talent at quarterback, this ability to prepare for your biggest rival in the sport, your biggest game as a head coach in Zach Taylor. You can wipe away all of the bad feelings from the first six, seven weeks of the season if you go into Pittsburgh and beat Ben Roethlisberger after they started the season 7-0 and and you hand them their first loss of the 2020 campaign. I don't necessarily know if it's going to happen, but hey, I didn't. I didn't think they'd beat the Titans. I thought they'd keep it close. I thought the offense would continue to play really well. But the fact that they controlled the pace of the game, that Joe Burrow had a veteran type of savvy throughout that sixty minutes to keep the clock rolling, to take control of the tempo, to control the football for thirty-six minutes, and really impact the uh, the game plan and the the facet all facets of the game with their ability to control that clock. That's what they're going to have to do on the road against a very good Pittsburgh team, but also that's the Steelers' game plan that they've used to get the 7-0, a balanced attack with some explosive plays mixed in here or there. Here or there. But the explosive plays have not come very well to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's something that the Bengals can key in on for that matchup. Yeah, definitely interesting. But it's, it's amazing that it's going to be a fun, because if they lose this game to Tennessee, Russ, I mean, it's just two weeks of like, oh, I don't want to play Pittsburgh. Well, you're really starting to think about firing that all cleaning house at that point. Yeah, it's, the bye week. it's like, oh man, I really don't want to play Pittsburgh. That's that sounds not fun. But now there, there's a, there's two wins, a win against a five and one team with five offensive linemen out. Um, and you look at Joe's numbers, man. First in completions in the NFL, first in attempts in the NFL, second in sacks, time sacked but still top 10 in interception percentage. And that's absolutely incredible. He's third in yardage. I, I think his numbers are, are way more impressive than I ever thought, even, because of the interception percentage being so low, because of the expected completion percentage being six percentage points above what it's supposed to be. And that's just a sign of pinpoint accuracy, tight window throws. I mean, he's yep. been... He is plus ten point one this week. Led the NFL through Sunday night. Yeah, and you know, oh, the Bengals lead the league in contested catches. Man, the receivers are great. No man, it's because that Joe puts it on your hands every time he throws a catchable ball. I, I mean, it's just all the like. It's so catchable, and, and that is such a weird thing to say because everybody's so worried about arm strength. But that's what made Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady great was they threw a catchable football. All three of those guys, and you can make an argument, those are the three greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. None of them had cannon arms. Neither, none of them. All three of them didn't. They were extreme processors, they were good under pressure, and they threw really catchable footballs, and they anticipated. And that's what Joe's doing. Like, he will be have to be in the mold of those three guys to be an all-time great quarterback but it appears like he's certainly capable of it, and he's way more athletic than all three of those guys. And, and that's the, another thing that makes me real excited is that athleticism, the wiggle, the shimmy, the shake. He's got that little bit of extra that you need in the modern NFL to succeed with all those classic traits that have worked at quarterback for the past 50 years. It's like if you're going to design a quarterback for 2020, it would either look like Patrick Mahomes or it would look like Joe Burrow. And I think Russell Wilson, too, although I think he's an outlier. But it's like kind of that prototype stuff. Of all the things you want to see, pocket presence, awareness, cool under pressure, leadership, good press conference, right? Supports the right charities, donates money, it's great attitude, never's going to question the coaching staff, coachable. I mean, he's just 
box check, box check, box check, box check, box check. And we knew that heading into the draft process, Russ, but it's been confirmed, affirmed, reinstated, confirmed again. And I think that any question of did the Bengals make the right number one pick died certainly yesterday. They were on their deathbed for the past seven weeks, but it died against Tennessee, no matter what happens the next 10 years. They certainly made the right pick. If Herbert or Tua end up with a better career, Russ, it's the fault of the Cincinnati Bengals, not Joe Burrow. Um, and I think that is at least, I mean, that that would that would have been the number one goal coming into this year, right? Hey, let's make sure that we actually did make the right number one pick. And 100%, no doubt, the Cincinnati Bengals did. Because mm-hmm. we would break Tua, and Herbert would never win a game here because he can't game manage the way Joe has. The um, the first eight weeks, Lucas, were about finding the quarterback and making sure that box was checked. I'd say that can be scribbled all the way in, like everybody <laughs> filling in their voting boxes at the at the polls this week. No and hanging, the, uh, no the hanging chads end, with no hanging chads with Joe Burrow, Russ. No, exactly. No, they already got they already got the hanging chad filled. Eighty five is now T Higgins, Lucas. So there you go. And then on the on the back half of the season, final final eight weeks of the year, it's about figuring out whether or not Zach Taylor is the man that can lead this team and lead this quarterback to a Super Bowl championship. And that starts in week 10 when, uh, or excuse me, it starts in yeah, week, nine, week nine when the Steelers take on the Cincinnati Bengals. <sighs> they have their quarterback. They have the young receiving core. Perot to Tyler Boyd, that connection, Lucas, leads the NFL with 47.5 total expected points added on the season. Yes, leads all connections between the quarterback and, two receiver in the National Football League. And then T. Higgins, Burrow to Boyd T or Burrow to T. Higgins connection, 34.4 total EPA. That ranks seventh league wide among receiving duos. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, really good stuff. I I just got a thing on Twitter. I'm so glad I got that thing off my phone, man. I I for those of you that don't know, I am a social media free on my phone now after watching that smart social, after watching that social dilemma movie and man I'll tell you what my mood has been so much better I mean I, I know I'm tweeting less um, and that might not be great for the brand necessarily but I just feel better man I feel I feel I feel so much it's so weird you know but I was on the computer this morning for Twitter because I like getting the updates and I like running through it on my laptop and yeah I've got Browns fans and I want to ask you this question. I've got Browns fans saying that I shouldn't be giving Joe a lot of credit because he leads the league in pass attempts. I'm going to ask you this question, Russ. Should Joe Burrow get more credit or less credit because he leads the NFL in pass attempts? I think he should get more credit because he's being asked to do more heavy lifting on the offense. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean... So you're saying... It's basically like saying a chef should get less credit for their really great dishes because they make a lot of them. Yeah, or like LeBron, it's like, oh, LeBron only shot 41% from the field. Like, you remember that finals when Matthew Dellavedova was the second best option for the Cavaliers? Yeah, and, yeah, I know what you're saying. And LeBron yeah. shot, what, 42% from the field? But the the dude averaged a triple-double, and he had to shoot 30 times a game. So you're not exactly going to be worried about the field goal percentage or, well, he only scored that many points because he shot the ball that much. Because he had to shoot the ball that much. He's the only option. Yeah, do you, do you want to run the ball um, 40 times for three yards a carry, or would you rather 15 more of those carries go towards a little bit more efficient part of an offense that has been struggling to find their footing, but is finding their footing over the past couple of weeks? Yeah, man, and as soon as this offensive line gets to the point where Joe can have a legitimate, because, you know, I actually really agree with the PFF grade of the offensive line the more I watch the game back, Russ, because I know there yeah, was it no wasn't sacks. Great. Yeah. It was a lot of muddy pockets. It was a lot of Tennessee Titans in Joe Burrow's lap. He navigated it well, and the O-line kept fighting, and they kind of kept him clean that way, and Joe got out of a few sacks, but... I, I think that once they get a true, if they ever have a true top 10 offensive line to where they're a literal wall, like sometimes you see in front of Patrick Mahomes, uh, it's going to be next level stuff that you see from this offense. I mean, they're going to drop 40 points a game in, in, in a lot of situations because it's what they're doing is not, there's no real way to stop it other than just having more talent. And that's why I think the Steelers are going to do a good job because they do have a lot of talent. Like, yeah. just play man across the board and blitz seven, and if you win all your matchups, that's how you beat the Cincinnati Bengals uh, And the Bengals, 
the Titans secondary is once again like the like the defense in general is a bottom six seven unit in the National Football League. Yeah, they are not. There, you could cherry pick metrics here and there. Yeah, where they can be average in some spots, but if you're giving up sixty one percent third down rate, you're just a terrible defense. That's just the bottom line. And then, and, and fittingly, yesterday they gave up two third down red zone touchdowns in the game against the Bears. Yeah, and that stat ain't gonna fix itself over the last eight games. I mean, that's no, that's, that's gonna little- be. It's going to be the record sailed on that one, as they like to say. Yeah, it's going to be the record for Tennessee. There's no way that's going to. There's no way that's they're going to. They're going to get that. And they still might win the record. division. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I might favor the Colts. I, I, I don't know. It'll be close. It'll be a good race in the South down the stretch. Uh, thank God Philip Rivers hasn't completely imploded after the Bengals. At least that salvages that comeback a little bit. Although it still stinks. I just this Bengals schedule is now turned from it, it. It the losses got sadder after this win. Because then you look at the schedule. Oh, week one stings and you're terribly. Just, you're just staring at it going, right oh, you're staring at it going, man, we're this close. Oh, we're this close to being in the hunt, being in the real hunt. Not a theoretical, oh, my God, if all this goes right, we might be able to sneak in. But, like, hey, we're in the hunt hunt. Like, go beat Pittsburgh. Could we win the division? Like, you know, crazy stuff like that. But it is what it is. Everything that happened, happened. The main point, I think, to take out of this is that Joe Burrow can change an NFL culture. That was the one question that I did not have the answer to coming in. I thought he could. That's why I wanted to draft him. That's why I believed in him. That was my biggest hope for the Cincinnati Bengals over the next 10 years. But I was not sure. Was not 100%. Because you never know. Are the Bengals just that bad of a culture? But I think that Mm -hmm. yesterday and this week and this season and, and, and... just everything shows that Joe Burrow can, in fact, change an NFL culture. And this Bengals, it's going to be different. I said this in the first segment, Russ. We're going to look at the colors. We're going to look at the jersey different in 15 years. We're going to look at the logo different in 15 years. You will feel different about the Cincinnati Bengals in 15 years. Because of fans Joe have been waiting for the for the talk shows to uh, to chatter about the Bengals and it's coming, Luke. It's it's on the horizon. I can see it. Yeah, because it's this kid's got everything. I don't know why he's not. I I, I I he needs to be more talked about. I know he doesn't seek out attention, but I think everybody's missing it because he's got the swag. He's got the it. He's this Midwestern kid, and we haven't had a great Midwestern kid at quarterback. For a while. I mean, Carson Wentz was there for a half a second, but he was less Midwestern and more like mid-Midwestern. You know, it just, there's this big section of the country that feels like it hasn't been represented by a great quarterback in a while. Like, you know, Manning came from a royal family and he's from the South, and Brady was from California, this California kid, and Mahomes is from Texas, and there hasn't been like this Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan uh, West Virginia, Indiana, those type, you know, those type of people, the people that you and I grew up around and that type of culture and, and this Athens thing. And, and that's what's so exciting. We can talk as OU alums for a second. Joe Burrow has this thing, this Athens thing. You, you know how everybody from Athens that's ever been to the town has that's lived there has this kind of thing about them. It's this levity it's, it's, it's so hard to even put a finger on, but it's why everybody loved that university and always comes back and always has much, much love for OU and Athens and the town and Court Street and everything because there's this thing about it. And Joe always had this Athens thing about him because he's from Athens. He's that kid from Athens. He grew up on those streets that you and I partied on for four years, Russ. And finally... He's the first guy that's ever entering the national conversation in sports that has that Athens thing about him. This thing that so many people have fallen in love with, but the country as a whole has never been exposed to. They're about to be exposed to it, and I think they're going to fall in love just like all of us fall in love with that town and the people within it when you walk onto campus there for a couple years. And I think that's exciting for OU alums and for people that grew up in Southeast Ohio and Athens there's this like thing that this Athens thing that's very attractive and fun to be around, and I think Joe Burrow has that too. Thousand percent. It's the the uh, the levity, the the invitingness, the the kind of just Joe cool nature that he has. The ability to do block things out, stay even keeled, 
it's it's what all great champions have to be able to tap into and utilize when things start to get pressure or pressured up and, and heat up in the kitchen, so to say. And I think on top of that, Lucas, like when's the last time as a Bengals like fan or as a team that this franchise has put a top ten, top tier, elite level talent at a quarterbacking position on offense, and then they have arguably the best quarterback in defense on the other side in Jesse Bates. The fact that they have those two players really leading both sides of the football, it's been a long time since this franchise has had those kinds of voices leading the two most important facets of the game. And it's only going to get better because most of the good players on the team are really young. And that's exciting, mm-hmm. and and it's fun stuff. And and Ross, it was a blast you coming on the the three a.m. Coney today. We got a long, long show on a Monday. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Any final thoughts from you before we head out of here, bud? The bye week. Hope everybody enjoys. Take a deep little, nice breath. Got the full slate of week nine Sunday games to get into, and don't have to worry, Lucas. Just just look ahead. Hope for a Steelers uh, upset. Lost to Dandy Dalton and the Cowboys. That's what we could root for this weekend uh, for everybody watching the NFL in week eight or week nine. I keep getting all the weeks screwed up, but we're, we're getting there midway through the season. I, I would want them to beat the guy. I don't want them ticked off at home against. You don't Cincinnati. want them coming off a loss. No, no, yeah, no, no, but no. You want them nice, fat, and happy. Yeah, fat nice, and happy, forty-two-three. Yeah, look dominant. Plus, I, like, who likes the Cowboys? Like, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. The Cowboys, top five least like team of mine. It, it's. It's closely followed by all the AFC North teams. <laughs> I like the uniforms, so I don't know. That's they just... are clean. Some of the some <laughs> of the unis are clean. I'll give them that. All right, that was Russ Hellman for Ball Bengals. I'm Lucas Moore. Thanks for listening to the 3M Coney and Who Day, everybody. Seriously, Joe Burrow's not going to think about football for the next two three days. He's just going to play video games and hang out with his girlfriend. I recommend that you all at home do the same. Chill, relax, enjoy, smile, and then on Wednesday or Thursday. It's Steelers week. It starts a bit early, and it's always a nerve-wracking one. It's always a fun one, but, hey, we're feeling a little better going into it than we thought we would be, and that is a great place to be. This has been the 3 a.m. Coney. For Russ Hellman, I'm Lucas Moore. Adios. Adios.